Lord, we're fighting these battles on these hills we've been talking about for them. Yes, we benefit, but that's just minor compared to the future in Cape Coral and in other churches. I don't, we're not about us, but, but for us, we have to fight on these hills. We have to believe in the gospel. We can't lose sight of that's our mission is to bring the good news of Jesus Christ into the world and, and never give up on the good news. It's always good. It's always powerful. Then we talked about fighting on the hill of the church is that, that we would have this. Now, whatever expression the church comes in, there's the vineyard expression that make us better than other churches. We're just a different flavor. There's Burger King down the street, Wendy's down here and McDonald's and what are we? What's that leave us? Uh, uh, what about, uh, not Whataburger. I don't like uh, Chick-fil-A. Uh, nah, they don't do hamburgers. They do chicken. We're a burger place. Culver's. All right, we'll be Culver's. We'll be Culver's. Whichever one you like, that's who we are. Okay. You get to pick what burger you want. But we just, as long as you're serving the burger, which is the gospel. And, and that's just, just key. So this last hill, next week, we, we launch a new series, our small groups. There's a program that has a, a way to get in. Uh, they're open for everybody. There's a group for you. We'll find you a spot. If you need help, just write it on your Let's Connect card. Need a group. We'll get a hold of you, invite you. We start a series where we teach. We've already done the teachings called Help, I Need a Priest. It'll coincide with our new series on the ugly incarnation. You need a smaller God. We're going to do a series on how God became smaller. And some of you, your God is too big. I know that sounds like a contradiction, but we'll go through it in the series. Starts next week. I hope you're here and join us. This series, the last one, Hills That We Would Die On. These are where we stood, planted the flag, and said, no matter what, we can't back off of this. We talked about the gospel, loving the church. Now we're going to talk to this last one on mercy. Seems like, wow, wow, how would you fight for mercy? Let me tell you something. In church life, if you don't fight for mercy to be our heartbeat, there's so many religious diseases that you catch at church. You know, you, you should wear a spiritual mask when you come to church, when you get involved in a church, because every church has diseases going around it. We've had them. You've been in them. You've been in church. You catch certain spiritual bacteria at church life. And it just happens. And, and, and if you think you're exempt, then uh, you just haven't been long enough to church. Or you're the carrier. Anyway, so if you caught that. Anyway, so we're going to look at uh, two stories that I think are the same or the, about the same person. But we'll see. But we're going to be in Luke chapter 18. And, and think in terms of two big categories this morning. One category is a religious priest, a, a, a quote, good man. Uh, 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 he, he's in this category. He's called a Pharisee. A Pharisee were deeply con- committed to following God, but they caught the disease. They caught the disease of self-righteousness that they, because of what they did or didn't do, were better than other people. So there's the Pharisee. Then there's this tax collector. They're the most hated of people among the Israel people. He, you just think of somebody that you despise that's a tax collector, okay? He's somebody that's broken, flawed. He's ripped people off. He's gouged people. He's made wealth on the backs of others. He's just a ruthless, they were ruthless individuals. They're not named here, but I think I know who 
the tax collector was, and we'll, we'll see that at the end of the message. But let's go to Luke 18. Jesus sets the stage for why he's telling this story, which I think is a real story, by the way. A lot of Bible people, oh, Jesus just made stuff up. We could have, but I think a lot of times this is just life and what he's seen. I think he'd seen this literally happen at the temple, whether he saw it in the spirit or he was there. Uh, chapter 18, Gospel of Luke, verse 9. To some who were confident of their own righteousness. I'm good enough for God. I'm good enough to go to heaven. I'm good enough. Don't need help. I'm good enough. I've got this. I, I, I'm, I'm a good person. I'm good enough. This is the good enough guy. Not good enough because of God. Good enough because of himself. His own righteousness. In other words, who get, when it's yours, now, in a good way, who gets credit for those babies? The answer is the mother, okay? No matter what the dad's done. Because when they grow up, they're in the NFL, and they score the touchdown. They say, I love you, Mom. They don't ever bring up Dad. So, <laughs> so in a good way, you know, Mom, but the parents, they did, you can say, we did this. We did this together, okay? But when you accomplish your own goodness, your own, it's self-salvation. It's thinking... I got, I can do, I don't need Jesus because I've got me. I've got my truth, my religion, my way of living, my way of accepting me, my opinion. So this man has made his opinion more important than God's opinion. And so there's two people that there's those that are, that had their own sense of confidence in their own righteousness, and they look down on everybody else. This is always a sign your heart has become a Pharisee. Especially religious. Churches were notorious. Uh, we've, we've earned some of the world's anger at us. We've earned it. Now, some of it, the world is hypocritical, and they could be in this story as well. Secular people were smarter, and they're blah, 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 morally superior. But we've been harsh. We've been critical. We've been ju- as churches. Churches are notorious about being against others and acting acting as though we are all that and they just don't have it we do we've got the secret we got the answers we've got whatever it is we know about the bible so we look down on other people now verse 10 he says two men went up to the temple to pray now remember this they're good good intent let's say they both meant well whatever i don't know the motive yet of why the pharisee went and we'll see why the sinner goes. They, they, but they're not in a bad place. They, they've come to the temple, which Jesus meant for it to be a house of worship for all nations. That's one of the things that angered him the most, is they turned the church into something that was never meant to be an elite group for an elite group of people. And they put barriers up so others couldn't get in. So these two guys heading off to pray. Now, the first one, he says, was the... Uh, uh, was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Verse 11, the Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. Let me help you. That's not prayer. When you're talking to God about you in ways that you want God to get in on, to view, to appreciate, it's like giving God your list of things about you, why he ought to think you're special. It's, it's giving God your accomplishments. It's giving God, it's patting yourself on the back. 
in the sight of God. He's not talking to God. In this prayer, he asks God for nothing. And never, it blows my mind, my wife and I, on a regular basis as we travel and as we interact with people, when we get an opportunity, we'll just say, meet somebody, hey, is there anything we can pray for about you? And usually, if they're not a religious person, usually they have something. Now, some people will often say, well, just pray for world peace. And we'll say, give us something personal. And that's when, boom, their hearts are opened up. We ask one girl if we could pray for her, and she started crying, not because she had something she did have some difficult things. In her whole life, no one had ever asked if they could pray for her. Whole life. But when someone responds to me and goes, no, I'm good. Think about me. I'm on the way out. I'm shaking your hand. How can I pray for you? If your answer is, I'm good, you're in a bad place. <laughs> Wrong answer. We all have need. That's why we talk about being an ugly church. This is this other guy's going to give you a clear view of what does it mean to be ugly before God. This guy's being pretty before God. He's all dressed right. He's got all the moves down. He's in the temple praying the good prayers. He's, he's professional. He's bragging on himself to God. He doesn't need anything. There's no tears, no brokenness, no sense of conviction. And he says to God, first he gives God his list of the things that he's not. He says, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this scoundrel that's over there. Now, I added the word scoundrel. He puts him in a category that's worse than thieves. Adult. So he lists sins that outwardly he doesn't have a problem. He, he's never got caught robbing. But it doesn't mean that he hasn't coveted in his heart. He didn't go outward and commit adultery, but he did it in his heart. He's self-righteous because he's outward, not inward. And he's making categories that his sins aren't in. Isn't it funny how we do that? Our sins are always more acceptable, aren't they? It's always more, it's just normal. He's abnormal. No. He says, he points to this guy. Listen to me. Everybody, I, I know I, I got to give it, a, I got to stop sometimes and just, it's, 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 it just sucks the life out of me that I have to do this, but to give disclaimers. But anyway, because I get, I got notes from people. And, let me give a disclaimer. Okay. I made an appeal to pray for a very visible individual, Hunter Biden. People lost their minds on that. And you know who lost their minds? Were people that thought I was being political in saying that. And I'm like, if you know anything about me, that was nothing to do. It's not like President Trump doesn't have kids that are just as bad. Maybe they just haven't been exposed. I don't know anything about that. I'm just saying he's notoriously on the news. His videos have been out there. His brokenness is, not, if you can't discern he's a broken person, you don't have any discernment. He's a, he's a kind of guy that if God let me, I'd get him in a room with a baseball bat and I'd beat him till he almost dead and then I'd tell him about Jesus. Maybe. I'm just telling you me. I He creeps me out. I just can't. I just everything. And that's when God dropped in my heart. Start praying for him. 
You're just as bad as he is. Do you know that me judging him? Now, again, judging doesn't mean that, that, that I, there is healthy judgment. There are things right and wrong. That, the point isn't that he's a good man. The point is he's, I'm not a better man than he was. I'm a forgiven man. I found grace. God has redeemed me. Or I could be that man and worse than him. And, and if you don't find that in you, you've got something, you've got this Pharisee in you that can always find somebody that makes you look good. We sat in our small group one night and uh, one couple just relived stories. We laughed, we cried, we laughed, we cried. Just their two stories. You, you get done, you look at her and you go, wow, how did you survive living with him? And then one of the guys in the group goes, buddy, thank you. You make me look good. And so, because when his wife will bring up something, well, what about him? Listen to his story. I've never done that. I've never done that. I've never, that's a Pharisee. And we all have it in us. So this guy goes, God, thank you. I'm not him. At least I'm not Hunter Biden. Well, what, did that, what does that mean? Are you better? Do you think you're, if God lifted his grace off your life, do you think? You couldn't become a serial killer? You, you, oh, I could never. You don't know the depths of your depravity. If God took his grace off of you, you don't know what you could be in the darkness and the wickedness and the deception of the enemy. So this guy's filled with, how would you like to go to a church filled with people like this guy? They're out there. It could be us if we didn't fight on the battle, fight on the hill of mercy. We're going to be a church that says, no, no, no. That's not what it means to be spiritual because you can quote more of the Bible at people. You can make people look bad because of their weaknesses. That's not what it means to be a gospel-formed church. We're people that have experienced the gospel and we've been forgiven. And now it's our responsibility to learn to show mercy to other people. So here's one category. This is what we want to fight against. But not only does he brag about what he hasn't done, he brags about what he has done. He says to God, he goes, God, I'm not like these other people, but let me tell you about my resume. Verse 12, I fast twice a week. Isn't that it? Have you ever come across Christians? And I, it happens to me, right? Dear friends, they're godly, way more godly. I got one. He just committed. He fasts. And, he, and I, I said, well, aren't you eating lunch? He said, no, I'm, I'm on a fast. Just immediately, I feel overwhelmed. I feel like failure written over my head. Um, and he's in great shape. I mean, he's like built like a movie star. I mean, he's just great. And he's, even when he eats, he eats good. And I'm like, He's on a fast. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm on a fast too. I'm, I'm not eating salt for a month. You know, that's, that's the level I've gone to. And, but it's intimidating. When, yeah, but well, we're just, we're, our church is fasting for 30 days. I'm like, wow, great. You got a better church than ours. I don't know that ours. We're going to fast salt and we're going to see if we can go without salt. That's a big compromise. That's, that's like, Wow. No salt for 30 days? Who could do that? People that are committed. People that are spiritual. 
He's so fasting, and don't hear me say that what I'm not saying. Fasting is a God-honored, beautiful, wonderful thing when it's done for the right reasons. And my friend certainly did that. But doing it for the wrong reasons is just showing off. And God says, you might as well go get a big steak because I'm not listening to your prayers because you're so full of arrogance and you're prideful about how spiritual you are. You ever found that can be true? You finally get sense of being a little spiritual and now you're proud of it. And it's like, no, that's a contradiction. I'm coming back down. I can't, I, I need to be proud about being humble. Now I'm really a humble person. Really? Is that your wife's testimony? Let's listen to her. So this guy is like, gives God, and then he says this, he says, and oh yeah, by the way, God, you owe me because I give a tenth of all I get. Now that'd be intimidating. You sit and find somebody that makes a lot of money, and they say, well, we honor God. We taught, which is a beautiful thing. It's a God-honored thing. It's a thing in the kingdom. If you learn, Kim, Pastor Kim prayed over some of you to prosper. If you learn to tithe, it could be a step towards that. But it's not that God, if you ever hear anybody teach giving this way, run. That somehow your giving to God puts God as obligated to you. That somehow you've bought something from God. You've earned a credit that you can claim from God. God, I've done this. You owe me. That's the sense of this prayer. God, let me remind you of who I am. And let me remind you, I've get, you owe me. Not, he forgot that everything he had came from God. The only reason you got any income is because God blessed you. Now, let's go to the other category. Because most of us have come into the kingdom not like this guy. But this is in the church. Every church. Every church, we learn about the Bible. We quit some bad habits. We look good outwardly. We know the, we know the gestures. Hand up sometimes. Both hands. Sometimes hands out. We know... We've got the deal down. We know when to say, praise the Lord. And, and you know, you actually learn the songs enough I can close my eyes and sing them. I might be thinking about getting a pizza after church, but my eyes are closed. My hands are up. Do I want pepperoni on that or onion? Oh, that's right. I'm fasting salt. Okay, go back. Here's a good sign. Good little, just side note, good test. Churches that don't laugh don't know about mercy. Churches that don't have mercy don't laugh. Why? They're just intense. They're against everything. They're rigid. They're tight. They're like, if if that's what it means to be a Christian, I'm not sure I want to be one. You're miserable looking. You just look unhappy and you're angry about everything out there. And you're, 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 that's not a good advertisement. We laugh a lot at the vineyard. We laugh at ourselves. That's what it means to know you're an ugly church. Don't take yourself so seriously. Lighten up. If someone pokes at your politics, oh, well. If someone pokes it, if this message doesn't poke at you, then I would question where you're so far into the Pharisee. If you think you've got this mercy thing down, I pray for God to send three people into your life this week to show you how unmerciful you are. <laughs> I exposed somebody on the way to church. I'm not sure they might have come here, but I had to hurry up to get into the lane because I was in the turn lane on Cape Coral Parkway, and I heard them speed up as I was trying to get in front of them. And I didn't mean, but I, I cut in. It was a little tight. He comes by me and gives me the finger. And then he turns into the parking lot of the church. 
You just flicked the pastor off. That's amazing. That could be a t-shirt. I gave the pastor the finger. And he's in church going, oh, he's holy, he's holy. That's, that, now, here's the truth. That's been me in the past. I've been there as a pastor. I'm not talking about all my stories are back in the day, you know, when I was lost as a goat. No, I've, I've given people the finger as a pastor. But they deserved it. It's not wrong if they deserve it, is it? Come on. He's preaching heresy. Do you hear that, honey? We don't hear that up north. They don't talk like that in church. Up north, they don't use the middle finger. I watch your football fans up north. I know they use the middle finger. So now he's given God his... So God, he's, he's not impressed. So let's look at the next guy. I love this guy. Verse 13, but the tax collector, he didn't have anything that, that it's a, he said he stood at a distance. He didn't even look up to heaven. Now, that's not a good place to stay, but it's a good place to start. He started with this humility of, I got, and he says to God, beating his chest, which just means, I'm, I'm a dead man. I'm dead. I don't even have a heart. I'm dead. I'm, I, I got nothing. I'm empty. I got nothing. And he says one thing to God. He says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Wow. He had no list to give. He hasn't avoided anything. He's indulged all of them. He's broken. He knows he's broken. God says, on the way home, one went home in verse 14. This man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted, lifted up. God says, which one do you think I smiled at? The one that bragged on himself or the one that bragged on me? The one that had me obligated to give him or the one that said, I got nothing. He didn't get mercy because he was a scoundrel. He didn't get mercy because he was... banging himself on the back. He wasn't earning mercy. He got mercy because God is a merciful God and he loved him and he got mercy because he asked for it. If someone ever says that, that, is there anybody God won't give mercy to? The answer is yes. It's the guy in this story and why didn't he give him mercy? Because he didn't want it. God's not going to shove mercy down people's throat. I don't need it. I'm good. I've got self-salvation going on here. I'm better than most. I don't do this. I don't do that. I don't do, and I do this and I do that. Hey, I'm good. God says, no, you're not. That's your goodness. You can brag on it. But my goodness is bragged on Jesus. The only way God can be merciful to me or to Hunter Biden is because Jesus Christ died for both of us. Now, I've got in on the mercy. Doesn't make me better. I'm not smarter. I got in on it because I was desperate, and I knew there was no other way out. 
I knew I, didn't, I had nothing to offer God. My life was an empty mess. I was the sinner. And I just said, God, help. I need mercy. Boom. Someone said, you could ask someone a question, what travels faster than the speed of light? It's the speed of mercy going after a humble person saying help. God shoves everything aside. He'll shove angels out of the way. He's, where are you going? I'm on a mission to find that person that said help. He delights in showing mercy. He doesn't despise us asking. And he never says, that's enough. No, 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 no. Maybe next week. I had a guy said to me, so humble on the way out one Sunday, he said, Pastor, is it, is it okay if I come back next week? I wanted to say, nah, better wait a couple weeks, buddy. <laughs> Just messing with you. I said, of course you could come back. Well, he said, I, 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 I just, I don't know anything about the Bible, and I don't know the songs, and, and I, I know everybody in the church is all together. I'm like, well, let me stop you there. <laughs> Let's start with the pastor. He's a mess at times. He's human. He's flawed. He's broken. He's weak. He's ugly. He needs Jesus. The pastor? Yeah. Who's the pastor? I'm one of them. You? Absolutely. And if you don't believe me, that's Pastor Kim, my wife. Go ask her if you think I'm all that in a bag of chips. She'll tell you, give me the lowdown on him. You might not come back next week. If you talk to my wife long enough today, you might say, mm, I might look for another church. <laughs> I've had people do that on a regular basis. Leave their pastor's church, come here, and say, man, I couldn't, I couldn't, you're so much better. They've been here one Sunday. You're such a better pastor. You're a phenomenal teacher. You're just a, just a, I said, let me stop you. I know where you're coming from. He's a far better Christian than I am, and he's a way better pastor than I'll ever be. And they're like, oh, you're just saying that. Three weeks later on the way out, the lady said, you're right. You're way worse than he was. <laughs> I tried to tell you. Because I asked her, what was his big sin? One of the big sins was at a wedding, he allowed them to play the song, Hey Macarena. Nobody knows what that means. I don't know what it Maybe it's bad. Who cares? Nobody knows what it means. So don't run around telling them what it means. Just sing the song and have fun at a wedding. She judged him. I said, that's it? Well, there's other things. He lost his temper. He lost his temper? I've known him for 20 years. Never seen him lose. That if he, he, no. That's not him. Guess what? I lost my temper. And I didn't play Macarena. But I just preached like I normally do, and then she lost her mind. You're way worse than he is, and took off. Side story. Can I tell that story about dancing? And no, I won't tell that. Pastor Kim on the floor. We're at a vineyard conference, and it's a celebration, and they got a little DJ playing music. Well, I don't dance. It's not because I think it's sinful. It's just that it's embarrassing and I'm terrible. And so I'd be a phenomenal dancer if I could dance like John Travolta or somebody like that. I'd be like, man, I'd be going at it. I'd, be, I'd probably be full of pride and just tearing up the dance floor. And, and so I just, you know, I just lay back and I just kind of, well, all of a sudden Kim's out there. She's having fun. Her daughter's dancing with her. The national leader's wife's out there. She's a national. They're having fun. All of a sudden they all leave the dance floor. And Kim's just kind of still kind of cutting the rug, whatever. And, and her daughter finally calls, Mom, 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 do you know what the words of that song mean? 
it's, I mean, it, I, when they started telling me, I'm like, I covered my ears. I mean, it was like, she didn't know the name. She had no idea what the song was. Now, you could have judged her that she was dancing to a dirty song, or you could have just said, she doesn't know that song. Now, why did I go down that road? <laughs> Judging, I guess maybe that was the point. I don't know. Anyway, let's get back on the story here. You guys are listening too slow. So I got it because I got a whole nother message to go to. This is just part one. So the guy is broken, comes to God. God's happy. Please. Now, who was the guy? Real quick. Chapter 19. I can't prove this, but it's just a theory. Chapter 19. Jesus had seen that, that happen. The guy goes home. Does he know God's happy with him? I don't know. Has he really received the mercy that he asked for? I don't know, but he's about to get it in chapter 19. Verse 1, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, and there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, just like that guy. Same? Don't know. There are other ones in the Bible that Jesus met with, but I think he's the same dude. Chief tax collector is very wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. He knew about God. He went to the temple. He didn't know about Jesus yet. But he's heard about him. He's like, I want, I want, I've cried out to God for maybe, maybe Jesus can help me find God. And he he climbs up in a tree, verse four, because he's a little guy. And in verse five, it says, when Jesus reached, I circled this in my Bible. That's why I can't make you, but you can't. I guess you could electronic devices. You can't really circle things. But in a Bible, you could circle these next two words. Jesus came to say it with me: the spot. Four of you said it. Jesus came to the spot. What spot? Do you ever read the Bible and go, what spot? Was there an X on the ground? Like a, all right, right, right there. All right, hold it, cut, cut, back up. You're not right on the, no, he's following the Holy Spirit. He gets to the spot. He'd already had, I believe, a vision of the temple. And this guy beating his chest saying, God, I got nothing to offer you. God, I'm bankrupt. God, I'm a sinner. God, I need mercy. Help me. And buddy, you're on God's radar when you're asking for mercy. He'll move heaven and earth to find you. Jesus is on a mission to find this wicked, wealthy, greedy tax collector that found mercy. Jesus stops on the spot, looks up. What do you think his face looked like? What was it? See, you got to bring this into the Bible. The Bible doesn't give you much details of things. So you got to use your imagination and be, be just kind of Holy Spirit. What do you sense? How would Jesus have looked in that moment up at set? Let me see you get hands or you stay after church, put up the chairs, clean up the coffee cups and the programs if you blurt out. What do you think his look looked like from Zacchaeus' point of view? What do you look? Hands. I'll call on you like back in school. Yes, sir. So Jesus looked excited. Why would he be excited? He knew what was coming. I love that. I hadn't thought about that. And I, you got to think through what would excitement look like? I mean, yeah, come on. Yes, Deborah. There, there. How does, what does love look like? How do you know when somebody is looking at you with love? How do you know? What do you think? You could see it in his face. You could see the kindness, the love in his eyes. How about a smile? You think, is someone going to guess that? Yeah. It, it just maybe not a big smile. Maybe just a, one of those, not a smirk, but a little grin of like, dude, your day has just happened. Everybody in the room is about to see you. 
There's hundreds and hundreds of people. No, no respectful man climbs a tree. They just don't do it in that day. And he, he, he not only climbed the tree, he ran to the tree. So here he is up in the tree. He doesn't want anybody to see him. He's come to see Jesus. Don't you get the agenda here, Jesus? I, I came to see you. I don't need you to see me. And he's not up there going, hey, hey, Jesus, Jesus, I'm up here in the tree in front of everybody because I'm short. I'm up here. No, he just, he's, God, that's Jesus. Look, he's healing people. Maybe he can heal me. He's sharing mercy. Maybe I can, I can get, maybe that's my prayer is being answered. And Jesus stops at the spot because he knew that was the spot. He was destined to stand in. He looks up with a face full of the love, the the goodness, the kindness, the mercy of God, excitement, the joy. He looks at him and he he calls his name. He says, Zacchaeus. He doesn't know him. He's never met him. He saw a vision of him at the temple. And the Holy Spirit says, that's Zacchaeus. You're going to have an appointment with him. In a couple days, when you walk out of Jericho, can you imagine what it did to his heart? He knows my name. Let me tell you, you come to this church long enough, I'll forget your name. (laughs) And let me just love on you snowbirds. You come for a couple months and you're gone. I don't think of now, if you give money, I'll think about you. I'll remember you. If you send in prayers that you're praying for us, you're on my radar, but you're gone and you come back and you say, yeah, you remember us? And I'm like, no, I'll be honest. I told you the story about the name tags and I'll do it again because it's a great teaching point. They all had name tags up there. I was amazed that Jamie knew everybody's name. She knew the kids' names. She knew the kids' brothers and sisters' names. I'm like, Wow. And so I'm up here. Oh, I'm thinking, God, don't let me get the name wrong. Don't let me, is it a boy or a girl? Don't want to pray to God. But I don't mean, help me, Jesus. And, and so we thought it would be a good idea to start getting people to wear name tags at church. So the pastor could say, oh, hey, Joshua, you know, good to see you back in the vineyard. Wow, he knows my name. No, you've got a name tag on. Here's why I, here's why I quit doing it. Because some well-meaning, I'm sure, broken woman on the way out put her hand over her name tag, and she says, who am I? (laughs) Now, fast forward to tape to today, I looked at her and said, you know, I don't do well with tests, and I'll probably fail it. So just tell me who you are. That's more polite. Hey, Pastor, you may not remember, but I'm Sally, and I came here 10 years ago, and I haven't been here since, but you should remember my name. Anyway. She covered her name. I failed the test and guessed wrong. She blew up, tears ejected. I've never seen tears eject. They didn't roll down. They shot at me like venom. It was like. I'm like, I've been coming here for three months. And you know that we were much smaller back then too. I couldn't like to say it. We had multiple. We had one service, a lot smaller. And I do it and remember her name. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for that. I'm going to tell you something. You better find the one that knows you and will never forget your name. His name's Jesus. Say it with me. Jesus. 
He knows your name. He knows when you're up in the tree. He knows when you cry for mercy. He comes to get you because he loves you. Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house today. Now, come on. This is a, hey, is it okay? This is Jesus. This is God on the planet looking at a follower saying, hey, I'm going to come stay with you. How does he respond? How anybody responds that's received mercy and Jesus wants to come closer. He says to him, verse six, verse five, Jesus reached the spot, looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I'm going to stay at your house today. So he came down the tree at once, welcomed him gladly. See, this is mercy received, responds in a relationship. He's not letting shame rob him. Jesus, I'm, I'm not worthy for you to come to. no. Jesus knows that. Come on, G. When you receive mercy, stop living and thinking about yourself, about what you used to be, what you used to do, what you have done, and stand in who you are today in the mercy of God. You can't live by what you were, what you didn't do, what you did. If you bring it now, it's not like just pretended gone away. It's stuff you put under the blood of Jesus and you celebrate his mercy. When you receive his mercy, you celebrate his mercy. You're clean. God wants to hang out with you. He loves praying with you. He loves putting his arms around you. He loves it when you worship. He loves it when you try to obey him, even when you fail and you get back up like those babies will do a thousand times God is a merciful God that's his core that's his being now if you reject that then there's deep deep consequences he's also has justice and wrath for those that reject his mercy but for those that drink it in receive it now mercy received this is the end of the message this is the bad news when you get mercy especially those of us that have gotten a lot of mercy, you're going to have to give a lot of it away. So Zacchaeus got mercy. Jesus doesn't tell him what to do with his money. He knows in his heart what to do. It says in verse 8, Zacchaeus stood up, said, Lord, look, Lord, here now I give half my possessions to the poor. Jesus didn't tell him to do that. Mercy told him. He said, I've got, I'm a debtor. I've been, I, I, I've been greedy. I've been hoarding. I, I'm, I found mercy. I'm going to give it away. And then he says, if I've cheated anybody of anything, I'll pay him back four times the amount. Again, he's not bragging about tithing, that he earned something with God and God owes him. He's like, God, you've been so good to me. How can I not be good to other people? that haven't repented yet. It's easy to love people that have done good things for you. Jesus said it this way in chapter 6 of Luke. If you only love people that are good to you, yeah, that's nothing. You, you only, if someone mows your yard and you go back and mow their yard, yeah, nothing. If, if you loan somebody money and then you demand it back, there's no reward. Jesus said this. He said, I want you to do good to people that are bad to you. I want you to be kind, do kind things for people that have flicked you off on the way to church, whatever. I want you to loan to people with expecting nothing in return. 
Now, that doesn't mean indiscriminate. You go run around and throw your money around. The point being is that your mercy, throw that Luke. uh, The father says, I want you to be as merciful as our father in heaven is merciful. Uh, Think, is there a harder verse in the Bible? You can't do this until you've drunk deeply of his mercy. I'm like, that that guy in the temple, I think was Zacchaeus. He said, God, I got nothing. Nothing. I need mercy. Once he received it, now the heart of his says, I got to give it away. I got to bless people that are undeserving. You know how many times I've had people tell me on a Thursday night, you're feeding that person, but you know they do blah, blah, blah. And I say, it doesn't matter. We don't vet people for mercy. We just show mercy. Now, if somebody comes among us and they're a predator, that's you don't show mercy to a predator. They're not coming for help. They're not humbling themselves. They're coming to hurt people. Those are gonna, they're going to see the other side of God and the other side of the vineyard, which is, is called security. And, and we're not, yeah. And they'll take you down. To Chinatown, as someone likes to say. I forget who that. I'll take you down. It's probably Jack. Uh, anyway, doesn't matter. Move on. Man, you guys, slow listeners. Okay. Jesus said today. You think he's smiling? Come on. Today. You think he just said, today salvation has come to this house. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And that was Zacchaeus who came down from the tree. And he was the one in the temple that said, oh, God, have mercy on me. It's like, yes, today, now, not someday. My mercy broke into a heart, did a miracle that only mercy can do. Took a blind man, opened his eyes, took a hard heart and softened it. Took a deeply sinful, guilty man, washed him and made him clean. Put new desires in his heart, new passions, new love for other people. How's your mercy test going this morning? You praying for Hunter yet? Come on. Or pick some other hunter in the world. Maybe your neighbor. Pick somebody that you just exposes every ounce of lack of mercy that you have in your life. Pick that person and start praying for them. Start blessing them. Again, that's not saying you like what they're doing. It's not saying that you approve. It's saying, God, show your what a missionary of mercy he could become. Forget the politics. Forget the agendas that people have that want to burn him and crucify him for political reasons. Just he's a human being. My wife and I have prayed for Russell Brand for years since we met him and didn't know who he was. And we pray for him. And, and it was easy to pray for him until I found out who he was. He was nasty. I mean, we listened to some of his comedy routines. I had to take a bath afterwards. It was just foul. Now, he's since made some massive changes in his life. And I'm not saying he's all there with Jesus, but he's talking about him. His best friend is the guy that plays Jesus in the movie Chosen, who's a sold out to Jesus Catholic. Anyway, don't don't need to go down. But we pray for him on a regular basis. He's a scoundrel, just like me. How can I give him mercy? Because I got it. I I needed it. And what did I do to get it? Nothing. I just said, thank you, Lord. 
And then when you get it, you got to say, Lord, help me give it. That's the hard part. Getting it is wonderful. Oh, my Lord. To be clean. Your mind's washed. Your past, your guilt, the shame. You're free. But giving it, ah, God, that hurts. That's painful. That's costly. Do you know to forgive certain people? It's painful. How much did it cost Jesus to forgive us? Everything. He didn't do it because he was nice. Mercy is not pity. It's not God going, oh, oh. No, it's, it's, it's power. It's the power of God's love that says they don't deserve this. But I'm going to do this in their life because I love them. Nothing. That song we sang, nothing. When you raise those children, you young parents, he will go running after them. He will chase them down. When you can't reach them, you can't get to them, your prayers will. The love of God will. God is faithful to go after. He will knock down every barrier, climb over every wall. Why? Because his mercy knows no limit. You can't exhaust it. You can't, you can't be too low and can't get it because you're just so low. Mercy. That's what this church is about. Now, if you leave us alone, we're a judgmental, arrogant, bombastic, condemning. Because we're right, everybody else is wrong. They're wicked. They've got horrible this and horrible that. And, we, and they're going to hell and they need to go to hell. Are you glad mercy has got a hold of me? Yeah, I'd have a shotgun saying, nah, I don't think you're coming to this church. I don't like your attitude. God just won't leave me alone. He keeps saying, you've got to love those people. But why? Because I love you. Okay. But Lord, they don't deserve it. Do you? No. Okay. I'm going to need some help here, Lord. That's what I'm here for. You can't do it on your own. God will send you people that you can't love on your own. Pick somebody. I couldn't love them. Pray for them. Say, God, create a heart in me that if that person would walk into this church, you could pray over them and ask Jesus to touch their life as he's touched yours. Let's pray. Just this morning, if you see yourself in that need of his mercy, then he delights. He's calling your name. Just like he did Zacchaeus. Come on down out of that tree. He said, what do I do, Jamie? It's not about doing things. And it's not about not doing things. Though that will come. But first it's about receiving his mercy. Lord, I can't do anything to deserve it. I can't do anything to get it. But Lord, I reach out my hands and I say, I need your help, Lord. Have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. Just pray that. Invite Jesus to come into your life. He knows what you've done. That's not the point. He died for those things so he could forgive and cleanse you and show you mercy. Come, Holy Spirit. Enter into this time of ministry with us. In Jesus' name, amen.